Well, hello again, guys. Welcome to another episode of Jack of All. I'm Graham Cowgill, and started this podcast just to look at different topics, take a waltz through everything humanity has to offer, and just say, what can we pull from that? What truth can we pull from it? What uh, sort of thought-provoking things can we get out of it? So thanks for going on this journey with me. Uh, Today I wanted to start with an embarrassing story. Uh, New to the podcasting world, I enjoy it. Um, I'm getting more into listening to them. So I'm excited to be in this, but fully aware that just because I want something communicated doesn't mean that necessarily that is being communicated, right? You can always learn and figure out if you're talking is doing what you want. So I wanted to listen to my podcasts to find ways to get better, kind of do a little self-evaluation. Well, yesterday I'm walking to lunch uh, on Balboa Island in Newport, California, and I go down to this gourmet hot dog place, which sounds like an oxymoron, but whatever. So I heard good things about it. I yelped it. Uh, now I can't even remember the name of it. Whatever. But I looked at it and it had a $1 sign thing on the price, which is a big deal to me. That's really all I care about. I don't even read the reviews. If it has one or two dollar signs, you've hooked me. Uh, But it looked like the reviews were good. And actually, one dollar sign on Balboa Island doesn't mean quite what it does to the rest of the world, but whatever. So they give me this menu, and right away I notice that there are no prices on the menu which is never, that's never a good sign. (laughs) In the past, if I ever get a menu and something doesn't have a price by it, don't order it, (laughs) right? I always figured that if something doesn't have a price by it, that the price is so high that the place is just embarrassed to even put it on the menu. So, oh man. And I don't, I don't have the palate to make anything with no price by it worth it. I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not a finer things type of guy. My idea of a nice date night is like upgrading from a soft taco to a soft taco supreme at Taco Bell. That's a good, I mean, you better thank your lucky stars you get that extra sour cream. So anyway, I'm looking at this menu with no prices and I'm like, how in the world am I going to, I'm Googling places to donate plasma so I can pay for this meal and I end up ordering The Balboa Brat. Yes, indeed. For, drumroll, $9. So not horrible. And it's got sauerkraut and hot mustard. Um, (laughs) Probably literally the smelliest thing you can possibly order. (laughs) A bratwurst with sauerkraut and hot mustard. Uh, So it was good. Really, I don't know if it was $9 good. But... For $9, you better give me something that can do my taxes. But it was good. So here's the embarrassing part. After I order my gourmet bratwurst and stink up the whole block, I'm waiting for them to get it ready. And I'm just standing right outside before they call my name and butcher it. And I'm listening to my podcast just to see what I can improve on. You know, what what things am I miscommunicating and, but I don't have headphones, so I'm listening to it via the phone's speakers. Not loud, okay? Not obnoxious. Don't judge me. But I'm listening to this thing, and after about two minutes of waiting, this other guy who's waiting for his 
$400 hot dog, is kind of listening in, and he goes, I like that. What podcast is that? And then I realize that I'm listening to my own podcast. And I have this wave of clarity, and I'm like, what kind of egomaniac listens to his own podcast? I just look like a total moron, right? I might as well have just been taking a selfie in a store window reflection. Like, how can you serve yourself anymore? And so I just panic. And I think, oh, I can't talk in my normal voice, or this guy's going to know I'm listening to myself and think I'm a psycho. So I go, well, it's a new podcast I found called Jack of All. And I, even, even I was surprised at what my voice what my voice sounded like. It sounded like my tonsils were the size of papayas. And I was like, what am I doing? And so this guy gave me a look like he could tell something was medically wrong with me, which was, I don't know, that was probably the best possible circumstance. And he just walked away. He probably bailed on his hot dog. He's like, you guys just keep it. Let me get away from papaya tonsil guy. So, oh man, what an idiot. So lesson learned. Maybe one is just don't listen to your own podcast. Don't be a moron. But if you do, bring some headphones so you don't weird out the whole zip code. Uh, I saw this headline this morning, switching gears, and it said, Video game addiction is real, rare, and poorly understood. Um, man, I'll bet that is a growing thing. Isn't it? Video game addiction? And I agree with most of this headline. Uh, for sure that it's real. I don't think it's probably as rare as they think. I'm sure it's rampant. And I don't know that it's poorly understood. This is kind of a, a brush stroke to addiction. So this is not meant to downplay any specific addi addiction or uh, patronize it at all. But uh, yeah, I've dealt with a lot of people with different addictions and... Um, it seems like there's kind of a base uh, to a lot of them. And usually it's escapism, right? That's usually kind of what fuels the beginning of addictions. Eventually, absolutely, it becomes a chemical dependency, but it starts with, you know, I want to take the edge off, or um, you know, I wish I was somebody different at a party, or I'm bored with my life or my life is too painful, or I'm anxious, or whatever. And so you just need to escape. You need something different. And, it, you know, it doesn't always start terrible, right? Games are fun. Video games are fun. But it's when life kind of becomes gray and dull, and your fantasy world feels like it has color, that's when things start to take a rough turn. So, yes, there are legitimate chemical dependencies, absolutely, that need to be professionally dealt with. I'm not downplaying that at all. And rehab and sober living, uh, those are real needs. And in the beginning stages, it feels like you can keep it from getting to that place. You know, that's that's the important thing. Once you're, once you're four miles down that road, it's very, very tough. But you're a few steps, you can do some things to kind of curb it. And pretty much it's just evaluating what you're escaping from. Taking a big step towards that thing instead of escaping from it. Right? So kind of evaluating what's that scary thing and how instead of running the other way do I kind of deal with that. I had a buddy of mine 
who would drink so that he could talk to ladies and that he could dance, like really, without worrying what people were thinking. And I'm sure that's a thing for a lot of people and understandable. Um, but what happens is the more you use alcohol to get you to a place of comfort, the more you believe that you need alcohol to be comfortable or to talk to people or to have fun, then you start to not trust yourself in social situations. You don't trust the real you. You you trust the, the buzzed you to be fun, but you don't feel like you know how to interact in real situations and alcohol becomes a real part of who you need you to be, right? So anyway, how to take a step toward it is just through processing, um, through counseling or therapy. Is there a difference between counseling and therapy? I don't know. Maybe that's the same thing. Anyway, through that, you can determine why other people's thoughts about you matter so much. What's the underlying deal? You know, my, my underlying deal is I'm afraid what people are going to think if I dance and I suck or if I try to have this conversation and I'm not, you know, super articulate, whatever that is, that's a problem. <laughs> if somebody else's thoughts are controlling you that much, that is the root issue that you need to deal with. And instead, some of these controlling substances or patterns of escapism just kind of band-aid over that. You never deal with this root issue. Then, in that extended metaphor, you get four miles down the road and you realize, I don't trust the real me. And you be, and not only do you have a chemical dependency, but you have a social dependency on escapism because you're not totally sure how to deal with, with the real life. So... Um, do I think video games are evil? No way. No. Um, I think video games are fun. I, For me, there's a game I love. I love poker. Like, really love poker. I love the game. Uh, when I was stationed in Louisiana, in the Air Force, in Shreveport, Louisiana, man, did that place suck. Uh, unless you're listening to this and you live in Shreveport, then that place is awesome and you're awesome. But, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're. It's just the worst place on earth. And all there was to do was to go to the casino and play poker. And I fell in love with the game, man. I love poker, the strategy, reading people, all of it. And I probably played. Uh, this is on the upper side, but five hours a night for like two years, just because I loved it. And I know that that sounds like I have a horrible problem. But I didn't. I really don't think that I did. I just loved it. And I think that the determining factor is, you know, like with video games or with poker, or with these different elements, uh, even even alcohol is control. Right? That's kind of the determining factor. Do you have, excuse me, do you have control over it or does it have control over you? That's the big thing. Uh, when I was worked as a youth pastor, one of the conversations we always got uh, was weed. And everybody asked, you know, weed is illegal in California. And everybody asked me like, what am I going to say to it? And, um, I don't know, man, I say kind of the same thing with everything. Evaluate the benefit. <laughs> you know, there's some things that are legal that are not beneficial. Porn is also legal and about as far from beneficial as you can get, right? Alcohol is legal, but too much alcohol and you lose control. So, I, know, I think the same thing with weed. I've known a lot of people who have lost control 
And weed is an escape from reality. That's what it becomes very quickly. It's an escape from real life. And it's very difficult to grow yourself and to better yourself if you're just using things to escape. So uh, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we can recognize when we have control or when we don't. And uh, if you find yourself losing control to something that takes you out of reality, it's not worth it. Instead of taking a step away and towards escaping, take a step towards that thing. Heal. Heal amongst other people. And, uh, yeah, uh, take a step towards a fulfilling life, not towards kind of this life replacement or escapism. All right, last thing I wanted to talk about, again, whiplash, shifting, shifting gears here, is Santa Claus. I got three kids. I got a boy about to turn six, December 23rd is my son's birthday. If that isn't the worst birthday to have, he's always like, Dad, can I have a birthday party? I'm like, no, you can't. You're already taking too much attention away from Jesus. Just sit there and apologize for being born on December 23rd. But he's about to turn six, and then I've got twin three-year-olds, a boy and a girl. And they're starting to ask a lot of questions about Santa, man. And I'm not totally sure how to handle it, if I'm going to be honest. Um, All right, well, here's the real problem. I have no issue lying to my kids, okay? I'm I'm fine with that. I already lie to them when I tell them that their artwork is impressive, okay? So whatever. I'm too far gone. I'm too far down the road. No, No worries. But they're having questions about Santa at the same time they're having questions about God and the Bible, and that's where things get tricky, right? That's a weird, a weird line. So I don't know how to handle it. I'm kind of trying. Here's my here's my approach. If you have a better approach, find a way to get a hold of me. Let me know because I'm probably ruining my kids' lives. But I'm trying to downplay Santa. You know, I'm just trying to keep Santa out of this like deistic realm. And so I'll throw in human elements like, yeah, Santa, you know, yeah, guys, Santa's going to fill the stockings um, if he can make it. You know, Santa has adult onset diabetes. So let's just let's hope he makes it this year and he doesn't have a hypoglycemic episode. You never know because he's fully human and not God. So I'm just panic mode. I'll probably enter my weird tonsil voice with my kids at some point. Uh, and you think you're doing an okay job and okay, I think they get the the separation and I've drawn this distinction. And then you're singing Christmas songs with your kids and I'll put on this YouTube video that's got a bunch of kids Christmas songs and we'll sing along. And good old Here Comes Santa Claus comes on. And the last line of Here Comes Santa Claus is, Let's give thanks to the Lord above that Santa Claus comes tonight. And I was like, are you kidding? We're back to square one. How confusing is that? Let's give thanks to the Lord above that Santa Claus comes tonight. Now my kids have no idea what's going on. So they just assume that Jesus went back up to heaven with a sleigh and a reindeer. They have no idea what's going on. Oh, man. So at some point, I realize I'm going to have to sit down and tell my kids the truth. And that's what I'm not looking forward to. So I'm going to sit them down in the living room, 
three chairs and I'll look him in the eye and I'll say, guys, dad has been lying to you. Your artwork is not impressive. And then just watch him cry for hours. That's my goal. All right. All right. Well, that's good enough for today, man. I hope you guys have an awesome day. Found some value in this and we'll try again tomorrow.